so is there anything kind of what like dark matter should be let's think back to that uh, standard model table we talked about earlier that you could find a Google image of. On it, we talked about baryons, which are made up of quarks. Um, but what, what? maybe there's something else on that table that is a candidate for uh, dark matter. Now let's move on to something called leptons. Leptons are underneath the fermion category. They're not quarks, but they are under pretty much the same general family, if that makes sense. Um, they're matter, they have mass, but very little mass. And examples of leptons are things called the neutrinos. Now, these neutrinos come in very widely different uh, aspects. There's electron neutrinos, there's the electron itself. The electron's a lepton, but it's not technically a neutrino. Um, there's uh, muon neutrinos, uh, muons themselves, tau neutrinos, tau particles. Uh, the neutrinos that we've mentioned are the candidates for dark matter particles. So let's talk about familiar leptons like the electron. Well, the electron is responsible for uh, ejecting photons that communicate with other electrons, which are communicative of the electromagnetic force. That's the thing that keeps Barry Bonds' ball from passing through his bat, is the electromagnetic force. They're also responsible for chemical interactions, all of the uh, complex chemicals that we have in the universe, uh, even something like sweat. Just think of yourself sweating and all the rampant amount of chemicals floating around through there. Responsibility of electrons, right there. Another little interesting tidbit about electrons is that they actually keep your shirt from touching you. Now, if you think about that, you may seem, I can feel my shirt touching me. That's a load of crap. Well, not technically. You can feel your shirt touching you, but is your shirt actually touching you? The atoms in your shirt come close to the atoms in your skin, or the atoms on your hair if you're a very hairy person. They come closer and closer and closer, but they start to repel one another because like charges repel and push each other away. If they get too close, they send a, a photon between the two in order to communicate the electromagnetic force to push them away. But, you know, if you're wearing a shirt, obviously it has weight to it, so it's going to push down, it's going to try to come into contact with you, but the electromagnetic force is just going to keep it hovering ever so close, just off of the electrons in your body. A little interesting tidbit about the electron. Now let's move on to the unfamiliar lepton, and that's the neutrino talked about earlier how that's a candidate for the dark matter particle, so let's talk about maybe some of the properties of this as compared to the electron. Now, the electron has mass, and it has, compared to the neutrino, a significant amount of mass. Compared to protons and neutrons, it's negligible. It's virtually nothing in comparison to the protons and neutrons. A majority of the weight in a cell phones, say, is largely protons and very little electrons. If you had a cell phone made of neutrinos, it would just go flying away if you let go of it because it would weigh so little. Neutrinos are virtually massless. They're neutrally charged, as their name implies. Neutra neutral, neutrino. They have no charge, so they can pass right through atoms, more or less. They're not repelled by the electrons in the atom. They're not repelled by the protons in the nucleus. 
so they can pass right through things. They can actually pass through some upwards of you know hundreds of miles of uh of granite before coming to a halt or something ridiculous like that maybe not even hundreds of miles because neutrons or neutrinos can pass right through the earth undetected so maybe a million miles of of uh of granite would probably be a little bit more likely those that's one of those figures that you kind of have to look up though they're also incredibly weakly interacting as um, as stated before, they can pass through you know a ton of granite without even being stopped. They can pass through the Earth, which is a lot more than a ton of granite, without even noticing anything. So experiments to detect these neutrinos have to be enormous. And I'm not talking about big. I'm talking huge these things have to be. An example of a big place, a big detector, are the Keck telescopes on the mountain of Mauna Kea in Hawaii. Now, there's tons of telescopes up there, but the twin 30-meter telescopes, that's roughly 100 feet. If you think of, for uh, our American listeners, if you think of it in terms of a football field, from one touchdown to the 30-yard line is how big one of the mirrors is. These things are massive. These things are really big. But that's to look for uh, astronomical things out in the sky. That's not to look for subatomic particles. One place that is searching for these subatomic particles is a place called Ice Cube, and that's down in the Antarctic, and its principal job is to hunt for dark matter particles, neutrinos. Its detector is a bunch of these long, kind of like beads, if you think about it, long beads where each bead on these on these strings uh, is a big photometric uh, multiplier tube, kind of like a big camera lens. And what they do is they wait for a neutrino to come by flying through the Earth on the opposite end to pass by this detector. Okay. Well, that's not so bad. So there's what, like three or four strings of these beads of uh, cameras down there? No. Not just three or four. These things dwarf surface equipment or surface buildings that we're normally accustomed to. There's an ex- there's an amazing picture off uh, the Ice Cube website, and I really recommend you go there because they just have fantastic photos of the uh, equipment and also uh, of the detectors themselves. Of one that shows, uh, there's a picture that shows um, a hexagonal arrangement of these beads and the photomultiplier tubes compared to the Eiffel Tower, and it just dwarfs the Eiffel Tower. It's ridiculous. It's maybe two or three times the height of the Eiffel Tower. Eiffel Tower is maybe uh, 300 meters tall. Uh, These uh, detection equipment go down almost a kilometer. So what the caveat of, or the, the... the main point of Ice Cube is that it has one full cubic kilometer of detection capability. That's pretty big. We said earlier that the Keck telescopes, each one of those mirrors, is 30 feet or 30 meters across. Right? This is one cubic kilometer of detection capability. So that's one kilometer on one side, another kilometer on another side, and another kilometer on another side perpendicular to the other two. In terms of a telescope, this would be equivalent to having a 30-meter mirror on one side and then a 1,000-meter mirror right next to it. So this thing absolutely dwarfs stuff that we're normally accustomed to. 
another good example is the Super Kamiokande detector out in Japan. And what they do is a little bit different, but the principle is still the same of hunting for neutrinos. And what they do is they have this giant cylindrical uh, place that they fill with purified water. Neutrino comes buzzing in, interacts with the water in this case, or in Ice Cube's case, uh, with the ice around the detectors, um, gives off a signature that they can uh, see with these tons and tons and tons of cameras that puts a fly's eye to shame, and they're able to see one or two neutrinos uh, every so often. They're very rare, but when they get that signal, that's a very good sign. It puts more constraints on how neutrinos work. So why do these things have to be so big? Well, we talked about earlier that they don't like interacting with normal matter. That's one of the features of how dark matter works. At any given second, to illustrate just how weakly interacting these particles are, if you hold out your thumb at about arm's length, and you can see your thumbnail there, if you think about it, every second through your thumb, or a, an area equivalent to the size of your thumbnail, um, 70 billion neutrinos pass through your thumb. 70 billion neutrinos. That's a lot. That's a very big number. A million's a big number. One billion's a big number. Ten billion's a big number. But this number's seven times that number of 10 billion. 70 billion per second. That's astonishingly huge. And just the little square area of your thumbnail. Think about how many fill a room or how many are passing through your mouth and face right now. So these leptons as candidates of dark matter. They may be a type of dark matter, these neutrinos, but it's rather unlikely. Why? Why is that? Well, for one, we can detect neutrinos. We can well for one we can detect neutrinos. Leptons, I mean, we can obviously detect electrons, but we can detect neutrinos themselves. One of the principal workings of dark matter is that it does not interact with normal matter at all, no matter what. Another uh, good indication that um, leptons may be dark matter is that they're very prevalent. So because 70 trillion neutrinos are passing through your thumbnail every second, despite the fact that they do have mass, and even given their numbers, because of the such small mass, they can't fully account for the gravitational effects that we see in galaxy clusters or in our galaxy itself.